is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I am here speaking on the level with Ray Villa. Ray, why don't we start out by telling me your full name and the name of your home Blue Lodge. It is uh, Raymond Peter Vila, and my uh, home lodge is Arizona Number 2. Arizona Number 2, and tonight <clears throat> we are here at the uh, Masonic Temple in Phoenix for Past Masters Night, and this is your event. Yes, sir. Tell me what we're doing here tonight. Well, uh, it is the responsibility of the junior past master. The junior past master is the most recent past master to organize an evening of uh, past masters filling in the seats for ritual. Uh, since I no longer live in Arizona, but live in Montana, I asked uh, Andrew uh, to take care of those uh, details for me and, and fill the seats for me. and. He uh, agreed to do that for me, so all I have to do is sit in the east and... Uh, Show up. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, uh, for everybody else listening, tell me, you you left, you were Worshipful Master last year, and what happened? You left. I left, uh, yeah. Uh, my wife had a job opportunity in Montana. Uh, I left a good job here. I was working out at a house for a good company here in Phoenix, uh, Schmidt Jewelers, and uh, moved up there without knowing if I was going to find a job. And within a couple of days, I found a job, and I'm doing the same thing I was doing here, up there, in, in paradise for me. Yeah, a lot. what's the big difference there between there and Arizona, the weather? The weather and the population. Uh, the population of Montana is just a little over a million people. The population of Phoenix, the city alone, is three million. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot slower, a lot nicer to, to travel around there. No one's in a hurry. I thought they didn't have speed limits in Montana. They, they, do, they don't on uh, some of the highways, <clears throat> and then it's more Wyoming now than, oh, Wyoming. than anything. Okay. Uh, Montana will have 85-mile-an-hour speed limits, as does Idaho. Nice. Yeah. So have you found or attended a lodge up there yet? I have, but it is a ancient and accepted and not free and accepted, so the ritual is totally different. So I'm going to silently uh, attain a book of theirs and learn their ritual, and uh, but I'm not going to let anyone know. <laughs> so that I'm not. You can learn on the on the slide. Yeah, and uh, if they ever need help, I can fill in for them. So do you remember when you first discovered this thing, Freemasonry? When you heard, even heard of it the first time? Absolutely. When was it? I must have been uh, 11 or 12 years old. And my grandfather was a Mason. And my father was telling another Mason a story about my grandfather in, uh, in Europe. Uh, he was crossing the Pyrenees from Spain, from Barcelona, to uh, Toulouse, France. And at that time, France was occupied by Nazi Germany. Oh, wow. And he got captured and was put in a concentration. This is your grandfather? Yes. Wow, okay. Uh, while in the concentration camp, the CO saw his name on the manifest and demanded that he be brought to his office. And when my grandfather went, he he thought that they're going they're getting ready to execute him. So um, that was, that was I'm listening to the story my father is telling this other Mason, and I was intrigued the whole time that my grandfather was close to death, getting put to death. And so the story goes on where the CO asked my grandfather, do you have another relative with the same name you have, Ramon Bila? 
And he says, yes, my father's name was Ramon. And then he asks him, was he a Mason? And at that time, um, Franco uh, <coughs> was in power in Spain, and he was killing Masons and Catalans. My grandfather was both. And Nazi Germany was killing off Masons also. So it was very secretive to be a Mason in Europe. Everybody kept it on the hush-hush and the low-low, and no one ever spoke about it. They were secret handshakes and secret symbols that let another Mason know that someone was a Mason, but it was never verbalized at all. It was a very scary time then. Uh, so the CO of the camp asked my grandfather if he was a Mason, and my grandfather says, yes, he was. Not knowing if that meant his death. He thought for sure it meant his death, but he thought he was going to die anyways. So he wasn't going to give them the satisfaction of him cowering. So he said proudly, yeah, I'm a Mason. And the CO goes behind his desk, and it was an awkward couple of minutes that seemed like an hour while he's writing on a piece of paper. My grandfather all this time thinking it's his death sentence. And the CEO comes around the desk and gives him a secret handshake. Whoa. And hands him these papers. He says, these are papers so you can do work outside of these confined walls. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And my grandfather said, yes. He says, Masons are traveling men. Travel quickly. <laughs> wow. So that got him out of there. And he, he fled to Algiers. And from Algiers, um, um, Algiers is France. Algiers is North Africa. North Africa. I'm sorry, I'm ignorant. Uh, okay. But it was French occupied, French owned, basically. Okay. Uh, the French Foreign Legion was there. <clears throat> um, but uh, from that story, I kept wanting to be a Mason, and I was my grandfather's apprentice in the jewelry business. You were. Yes. Oh wow. And I was three generations of jewelers here in Arizona, and I was his apprentice. And I would always ask him, Grandpa, how do I become a Mason? And he'd always tell me the same answer. You don't ask to become a Mason. You are asked to become a Mason. And that's how it was in Europe, because of the secretness of it. Right. People would, who were Masons would watch others and see them worthy of this great fraternity and somehow sly into the conversation if they would, might be intrigued in this fraternity. And that's how they gather them. And that's how it was in Europe. Uh, he, I remember them telling me that uh, he had drawn blood. Uh, that was one of a ritual that they do in Europe. It's old style. It's no longer done anymore. But uh, it was the real ancient uh, ways of uh, masonry, uh, the way they did things then. But, uh, yeah, that got him out of there. <clears throat> and if you worked for that, you wouldn't be here. Yeah, I, I, and, and I believe that you become a Mason when the great architect deems it ready for you. Because all this time, from a young kid, I've always wanted to be one. And remembering my grandfather's words that I had to be asked, I wound up working for people who were Masons purposely so that they would ask me if I would become a Mason. And I always thought I was never worthy. And one time, one of these gentlemen that I worked for, I did a jewelry job for him, and when I was giving it to him, he asked me at this bar, 
where I met him. Ray, why aren't you? Why didn't you ever want to become a Mason? And I sat there and cried. <laughs> and I says, I've always wanted to become a Mason. And I explained to him what my grandfather told me. And he says, wow, that's how it is in Europe. But here in the United States, you have to ask. You have, you have to, to ask three times, basically. And so I asked him, right, how do I become a Mason? And he just happened to have uh, uh, the paperwork for me to fill out and uh, put in my petition. Holy cow. And uh, what lodge was that? Arizona number two. That was number two? Yep. Wow. That's a heck of a story. Yeah. So how, there was a long time, your, your whole life really, you went wanting to be a Mason. And I always ask people why they wanted to be a Mason, but I don't, I don't need to ask that because of you. I guess I'll flip it forward and say, so now, how long have you been a Mason? About six years now. Six years. Yeah. And uh, you joined number two. What year was it you were raised? Oh, I want to say... 2000? Yeah, 2000. Well, right. so 2000, you must have gotten into, into line as, as one of the officers pretty quickly. Uh, I did a year sitting on the sidelines, uh, and at that time, I took it upon myself to learn the first-degree charge and uh, delivered it. I asked if I could deliver it, and they appeased me. And uh, at that time, the, I must have impressed them. They told me that I did it word perfect. And that I'd be, would I be willing to do this on a regular basis? <laughs> so wow. I agreed. And the following year, uh, uh, most worshipful brother, Larry Schaefer, asked me to be a junior steward for him. So that's pretty, that's that's pretty cool. Started, the line started there. So you, you, sir, you came into the line with, like you said, Larry Schaefer, who's one of the... Uh, uh, I guess I, I think of him as one of the really old members. I don't know how long he's been here, but he's one of those guys in my mind that's been here a long time. And I think of Masonry, I think of Larry. Can you think of, uh, other than your grandfather, I guess cause you've told me this story, I usually like to ask, can you think of a Mason who embodies to you what we think of this this Masonic ideal, you know, that we talk about what a Mason is? Um, can you think of anybody who sticks out in your mind, somebody you admire in Masonry and why? I really admire... The sitting master this year, Tom Mish is an outstanding man. Um, he is not quick to anger. Uh, everything rolls off his back. He's always quick to try to intervene and, and try to ease the, the waters. Uh, he does service to other brothers. Uh, I believe that he is the epitome of a, of a great mason. Uh, there are many great Masons that, in this lodge that do so much for other brothers. Uh, but there are certain uh, failings in them, though, uh, certain faults, either bad temper uh, or talking down to people at times, uh, or they're just full of themselves. You know, There are certain characteristics in, in, in every lodge that are like that. But to find somebody that is so even keeled, like uh, worshipful brother Tom Mish, is it's 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 hard to find. I'll tell you right now, with my Latin temper, I mean I fly off the handle all the time, so I have my faults. Uh, I admire Tom very much for keeping such an even keel. Is one of the questions I often ask people is has Mason? How has Masonry changed you as a man? Man, you talk about being. 
uh, hot-tempered. I don't think of you that way, but uh, has it changed you at all? It has. And how? Well, um, I'm. It basically masonry is teaching you to accept other people, no matter what their fault is, and I believe I've achieved that. Um, there are brothers that have done me wrong, some that I could put on Masonic charges if I so please, but I remember my obligation. And even though they might have stumbled and did a couple of bad things or wrong things, I don't see it me being the judge to make that determination to disqualify him from being a brother or not. So. Can you think of any of the uh, happier memories or funny times? Any, any any interesting stories you'd want to share? I loved working in the kitchen with Mike DiGiacomo, worshipful brother Mike. He was a kick in the rear end. A Jersey attitude, and uh, the man can make anything taste delicious. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I still remember cooking up some canned green beans, and I'm trying to spice it up with stuff. And he tells me, go in the kitchen and get the hot sauce out of there. I'm like, there's old guys that are eating this, so you can't have this spicy. He says, who's the chef here? <laughs> and he just puts a couple of dashes in the pot. And it didn't spice it up, but it gave it a different flavor and a good flavor. I'm like, you're a genius. I can't believe. And everything he makes, he puts uh, his heart into it. So. Speaking of uh, the kitchen, you weren't here for uh, the chili cook-off uh, last week. I figured I won it three years in a row. I should, <laughs> I should let someone else have a chance at it. So Vic won, and everybody's teasing him now that maybe he stole your recipe. So. I called everyone that I gave him my recipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, any any other funny or interesting stories you want to share? Anything, uh, you know, what's your... One of your favorite memories of Arizona number two, now that you've left the state of Arizona, I guess, can you, can you think of something that really means a lot to you from your time here? Being able to to do the outdoor degree, uh, as that was my third degree, it was in the outdoors, and uh, I got I was privileged to have it. An Me too. Degree, and uh, that will always stick in my mind. Uh, I remember getting very emotional after I was a, made a full-fledged Master Mason. Uh, getting that dues card, it said that uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, I was close to my grandfather, so that's one of the real special reasons that I wanted to become amazing. I wanted to become like him. Any closing thoughts? Um, people need to be more accepting of others. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think of them. Uh, I believe that if you have nothing nice to say about someone, just keep your mouth shut. Good, good advice. Ray, thank you very much for uh, talking today. Thank you both.